0: And he says, and finally, I don't mind saying uh, I was also a person who felt very squeamish listening to the interview with the guy from Stone Brewing. Man, that was an awkward interview. And yes, Russell, I could not agree with you more. (laughs) Try Malt. this is Radio Brews News. I'm the fill-in host this week in Pete Mitchum's absence. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, and I've got two awesome guests to help me keep things going in Prof's absence. They are from Totem Marketing, a now regular guest uh, on, on the podcast. Zoe Ottaway. Zoe, welcome back. Thank you very much. Now, uh, I understand that you've been sunning yourself somewhere, so you've come back nice and refreshed.
1: Yes, I've um, straight up from BrewCon, I went to Thailand for a little bit. So I have been enjoying some very tasty bintangs and watching sunset <laughs> and doing all the other beers that I would never drink at home and loving every minute of it.
0: And that's the great thing about beer, isn't it? I, I often talk at my tasting classes about a thing called the bintang effect where you know people come back from Bali and they go, it is the best beer in the entire world. Um, why doesn't it taste so good in Australia? And I'd generally say, well, you know, like you're sitting at you know, it's forty degrees, you're sitting under a palm tree on a volcanic beach and it's cost you fifty cents and you're on holidays what's not to like about the beer, and it's it's really a beer that has some great context when you're in Bali.
1: It was brilliant, Um but now I'll go back to my usual stouts and IPAs and everything now that I'm back in cold Melbourne.
0: In cold Melbourne, and uh, we're also joined by another uh, regular guest and good friend of the show, the rock star brewer himself, Ian Hendo Henderson. How are you? Uh, Ian's my, Ian's oh, my brother. Mate, I did that last <laughs> time, I did... Steve Hendo Henderson sorry I've uh, I, I was actually talking about leah H uh, uh, um, just this morning and uh and I was telling myself I can't say get the wrong brother this time because I did that last time so Steve Henderson Hendo uh, I'm just going to call how, you Hendo in how future How are you mate Yeah that's the way Very very well so uh well guys uh, it, it's it's been a big week of news so we might just get uh, straight into it to keep things moving because I'm sure there are going to be some opinions uh All, uh, all around. Um, Now, I don't know. uh, We we might go back chronologically with a story that we ran. We're recording this unusually on a Saturday afternoon. um, But a story that we ran yesterday afternoon was looking at brewers falling foul of kids' ad requirements. Um, Now, Hindo, we might kick this off with you because I know that you've got some fairly strong uh, feelings about ABAC, um, the uh, alcohol beverages advertising. Code scheme. Um, so you, you've caught up on the news uh, uh, about these couple of uh, ABAC findings and also one that wasn't an ABAC finding?
2: Uh, this, way, this week was uh, Cheeky Monkey and Little Fat Lamb or something like that, I think it was. So it was handed down this week, yeah. adjudicated this week. Yeah, well, Little, little uh, Fat Lamb
0: wasn't, you know, was, well, it, Little Fat Lamb, the complaint was made about the Little Fat Lamb advertising uh, Facebook pages. Yeah. It's an interesting one in the sense that no action was taken because it was found not to be under the control of the Little Fat Lamb. I think it's independent distillers.
2: Yeah, so basically my 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 understanding is that everything that's marketed uh, or advertised in, in Australia, whether it's orange juice or toothpaste or car stereos, uh, we, you know, we, we're required to uh, adhere to uh, some guidelines around advertising and that sort of thing, and that falls onto a government agency called the uh, Ad Standards uh, Council, Ad Standards Bureau, or Ad Standards. I think they just call it for short now. So the Advertising Standards Bureau, and um, and there is a an exception that if uh, any advertising that covers alcohol is uh, spun off out of the Ad Standards Bureau and goes to ABAC, which stands for the uh, Alcoholic Beverage Advertising Code. Um, and the thing is, is that ABAC is uh, it's a couple of things. Firstly, it's not a government entity. It's a private entity uh, and it's privately funded. And so they call it quasi-regulation. So it's basically... Uh, self-regulation of alcohol advertising in Australia. Um, and it has its pros and its cons, um, but what ABAC are is they are there to res- respond to complaints about alcohol advertising. What they are not is they are not a uh, an agency that Will chase down and investigate, proactively investigate. So they they're only able to respond to complaints. And so ABAC, um, you know, under this quasi regulation, they've written a, a code of practice around alcohol advertising, and much of it's common sense. And I think that it's actually a, a pretty well, it's a very well written code. Actually, I think it's it sort of adequately reflects, um, you know, current societal norms and and standards. It's run by, you know, ABAC itself is run by a group of very esteemed people who uh, adjudicate uh, over complaints. They do it very quickly. They do it within 30 days uh, usually. And um, uh, so when someone makes a complaint um, about some advertising, all complaints about any advertising go to the Ad Standards Bureau. And there's a little tick box when you go to add standards that says, is this complaint about alcohol? And you go, yes. And then that refers you over to uh, ABAC. And then they will then uh, adjudicate uh, any complaint about ab- alcohol advertising. That's probably, the, that's the rough, uh, Overview of what ABAC are and and where they sit in the scheme of things.
0: But my understanding is fundamentally ABAC is a voluntary code that you can join ABAC, um, and you know that there's a fee associated with that um, to finance because it's it's financed by the industry. Um, Correct. And so uh, ABAC uh, adjudications aren't binding on. Um, advertisers unless you're a uh, signatory to to the code. Um,
2: that's correct. That's, that's correct. Yeah. So yeah. how it works is ABAC is funded by the signatories to, the, mostly funded by the signatories to the code, and they also make a little bit of money from what's called uh, the pre-vetting service. So if I have a product, you know, an alcohol product that I'm going to bring out onto the market, I can pay ABAC and say, hey, how does this relate? How does this meet the, um, uh, the ABAC code? Uh, and so that's pretty much how they uh, they make their money. So yes, it's privately funded. Uh, that's the really important thing, and it's mostly funded by the signatories to the scheme. So the signatories to the to the scheme uh, is the Brewers Association. So that's not to be con- con- confused with the Independent Brewers Association. So the Brewers Association is uh, Lion, Cub, and Coopers. Um, it's also funded by the Distilled Spirits Industry Council and it's also funded by the Winemakers Federation of Australia. Um, They're they're the main people who fund uh, the ABAC code. Um, There are other signatories to the scheme, uh and so they uh basically uh the major supermarkets, so Woolworths and Coles. Uh you've got uh, uh Line directly are are a signatory to the code. Uh and companies like uh Coca-Cola, therefore Australian beer company, Asahi, and I can see here as well on their website, they've got Campari as well. Um, but that is not a complete list of signatories to the code. So that, they're the main ones that they, that they advertise.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the ways that even – because most small brewers, I don't think very few or if any uh, independent brewers or small brewers are signatories to the code. But we – you know are, are obviously an adverse finding. Um, the ABAC uh, adjudication panel review all complaints um, and they can make adjudications um, about advertising – um, but they can't enforce them. And uh, we, we had the situation about two years ago when Bright Brewery had their um, placemats that, you know, it was on one hand a great idea. It's a very family-friendly f- f- uh, venue. There are kids there, so they did some colouring in mats that were themed around the brewery, and they had some things called the Beer Monsters. There was a complaint made about that that was actually upheld, um, that alcohol and children you need to be very, very careful with. Um, and even though yeah. there was no obligation on... Bright Brewery to do anything, they, you know, there's certainly a moral um, or a, you know, powerful incentive, you know, um, just a, uh, what would you call it, uh, you know, good corporate citizen um, requirement for the, the small brewers will, by and large, adhere to the, uh, to, to the findings.
2: Yeah, so when, when a complaint is made, it, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, one of two outcomes from um, an adjudication. The complaint can either be upheld, which means that the complaint is valid, and, or the complaint can be dismissed, which means, nope, it, 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 it's not in breach of the code, the ABAC code. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, when a complaint is upheld by, uh, by ABAC, uh, that means that if you are a signatory to the code, i.e., you're someone who funds ABAC, then you're obligated within five or seven days to remove that product from the market. Uh, and failure failure to do so means that you are no you'd be no longer a member of ABAC, I would imagine, and that there would be some uh, serious ramifications. And if you're a major brewer or supermarket or something like that, then that, that's some pretty pretty serious stuff because you don't want to be seen to be, you know, flying in the face of 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 a code of conduct which you which you help to create and 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 fund, the the and the regulation.
0: So so I, I guess just just to just to keep it because we wanted to talk about some of the findings um, in, and yeah. in the news this week, but I, I, I guess for small brewers, even if you're not a signatory, because Woolworths is. Um, you're going to cause, have problems if there is an adverse finding against a product.
2: If you're an independent brewer who's not a signatory to the code, but you're trying to sell a product where there has been a complaint in, in a, in a place where they are a signatory to the code, well, you can't sell that product. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, but, You know, a lot of independent brewers aren't in the major supermarkets. So we have this situation with a lot of independent brewers where there could be a complaint and the complaint could be valid and it could be upheld. Um, And not to say that Cheeky Monkey would do that, but just taking this week's, um, you know, as the most recent news, for example, Cheeky Cheeky Monkey could turn around to, you know, if they're not selling beer into the majors or anything like that, they could turn around to ABAC and go, yeah, thanks for that. See you later. And keep selling the beer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Zoe, from a marketing point of view, even if it's not a, a, a compulsory code, um, is it good marketing to still keep an eye out for the, the, the you know what's required under the code?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I can't encourage every brewery out there enough to make themselves familiar with the ABAC code. Um, It's Mm -hmm. readily available online, um, abac.org.au. You can read through the code. You can read through, as Hendo said, um, previous cases and ones that have been upheld and ones that have been dismissed and what um, the challenges were. Um, It's more than just marketing. I I really um, do take issue with people that kind of roll their eyes at this stuff. This stuff makes our industry better, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many, especially it, it doesn't matter if you're CUB or if you're a small two person um, gig, like we're all better by abiding by this code. So, you know, as, as a professional breweries, you know, we have, re, you know, your responsibility just isn't within your own walls and, you know, to make beer that people want to drink and to make a profit. You also have like industry responsibilities and society responsibilities, and ABAC is ensuring that Australia has high. Standards when it comes to these things, and we should all be really proud to be able to stand by these. Um, you know, as Hendo said, this isn't a government body bully trying to, you know, find people left, right and centre. Um, I have had the chance to deal with ABAT directly in presentations um, where they've come to the breweries that I've worked at in the past, and they're really well, um, they're, they're genuinely here to make sure that um, the alcohol industries in Australia are doing the right thing. They're not, as um, you said, they're not here to headhunt. They're not trying to you know, make big names, cases of them. Um, they are people with a very diverse background in both um, alcohol industries and outside, who are very practical to work with. Um, they're very um, accessible and open. Um, the code is readily available. Um, the pre-vetting process is quite simple to go through. They they really are here to help. Um, and for what is a minimal outcome or even just some awareness in your planning of your um, your, your beers, you know, it's going to be a heck of a lot cheaper than, you know, a recall of, 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 a, of a new product that you've invested in new packaging or a TVC or bad press with a social media post that mm. then gets said for all the wrong reasons. It's just... Um, Yeah, I do find it quite bizarre that some people really get their back up about ABAC because um, it really is there to make our industry just the best it can be.
0: And a lot of people want to refer to it as the fun police, but I think they forget that as an industry, because of its very nature dealing with alcohol, um, there are added responsibilities that come, because alcohol is a potentially uh, is a product that can potentially be abused and uh, there are restrictions around who can drink it. So the industry needs to be fairly proactive when they do it. And, you know, my greatest fear is that the voluntary code, if it's not adhered to, uh, there will be increasing pressure um, on government to have a compulsory code. And, you know, anything that is done, you know, by compulsion um, or, you know, by government regulation does tend to be worse than something that is well uh, administered um, voluntarily.
2: That's right. The, the, alt, the alternative to ABAC is, um, is an industry that's not uh, nimble and able to innovate as, as quickly as, especially in, in craft beer, for instance. Um, you know, like if you have a look at what uh, they have to do in the US, is before they can release a beer into package, they have to get their label approved. I think it's by the TTB. And it's one guy for the whole of the United States who approves labels. And it can take up to six months. And you imagine what our industry would be like if we had to go through a process like that, like where every single new beer had to go through a Government bureaucrat in order to tick the box and go yes this is okay you can create this beer I, I'm not I'm not anti ABAC I think I think you know for for the most part it, it does a great job um, um, but uh, I think there's probably some areas in which it could be could be improved and I don't I certainly don't think we need government regulation in regards to alcohol advertising. We're doing a pretty good job under the quasi system, so. So, where do you think it can be improved, then, Hendo? Uh, My main issue with with ABAC is um, is a couple of things. So, firstly, I think the fact that ABAC is is one hundred percent funded from within uh, the liquor industry. Um, I, I think that it it doesn't quite. Meet the needs of the industry itself, but rather seeks to service only the only the signatories. So those that fund ABAC, um, you know, it, it's really them who, who get uh, the most benefit out of it.
0: How how do you mean? Can you cite any examples of uh, that, that, that illustrate that point?
2: Well, so 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 basically, the way that it works is ABAC exists so as not so so there so that they're we create our quasi-regulation scheme because the last thing ABAC and the licorant and the signatories to the code want is government regulation um, of alcohol advertising. And so um, the system itself serves to serves its own interests. It's it's there to basically uh, preserve the status quo um, of quasi-regulation. Um, and so it's in their interest to make sure that
0: ABAC is seen to be doing their job. So are you saying that they take a lighter approach to ABAC signatories than they do to non-signatories?
2: No, 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 not at all. Um, what I'm saying is is that um, uh, they will uh, blow their trumpet really loud to say, we're, we're, here we are, we've created this code, we're upholding this code. Um, and if Say you know I'll, the, the example I will use probably is the bright brewery one. You know, so you've got a you've got a colouring in sheet which is on a, a, a table in a restaurant. Um, and, and the first question that comes to my mind, you know, okay, the the ruling and the outcome and that sort of thing was was common sense and you know br- reasonably valid, but it was something that was only available within the four walls of the brewery. So was it was it was it really necessary for there to be
0: national press around? uh you know an independent brewery well there wasn't national press i think probably we were the only people that uh, brews news was probably the only site that wrote about it and you know we you're national (laughs) well we are but i mean like we we are sort of in a fairly limited space um and that was something that uh you know when james and i talked about it editorially you know on on the one hand you don't want to see a small brewery hurt um but no, on, on the other that's hand... Kind
2: of, that's part of my point, is is you don't want to see small businesses hurt because um, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a little indiscretion, basically. But you know? first
0: of all, um, I mean, I don't think they were hurt, um, firstly, um, because, you know, they, they responded very quickly. They, they took it down, and it was a very inadvertent. I don't think anyone saw anything malicious about the way that they... That no one actually no. said that they were targeting kids or anything like that. But there is just that borderline between things that could be seen to be. And, you know, it was just sort of found that they probably shouldn't have done that. And uh, so we covered it as much because it was a really important lesson to communicate to brewers um and people in the industry so that that, that's why we 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 took that and i don't think that you know the the scheme is designed to embarrass or humiliate um any businesses uh certainly that was the approach that that, the we took and given some of the recent examples i think you know it it does need to be covered
2: i appreciate they've got a process and that sort of thing and 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 someone who went to the brewery made a complaint um uh but you know, could could this have been resolved in a way as like, you know, pick up the phone to um to the brewery and say, Hey guys, you know, we've got this complaint, can we just deal with this? It's this but that's is something not that's how the, the process
0: But but that they don't no, have that no, discretion. No, no. And and, and yeah. unfortunate and that's the unfortunate thing, if they did have that process, then I guess I would be able to be accused of, you know, picking up the phone and going to C U B or, you know one of the signatories and looking like they're giving favoritism. True. Um, True. so I mean I, I just you know, I, I saw nothing negative out of the um the the, the the Bright case. Um and in fact I sort of flicked this through to um uh, Govs at uh Black Hops um because they posted that they had a comic book um or colouring in book for families at their um thing with the and the, the, the characters were actually the brewers. Yeah. And I just brought oh, Yeah I'm in it too. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I, I brought the ABAC um decision to 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 there because they weren't aware of it, um, yeah, and, that was, and that was, one of the reasons why uh, I wrote about it this week, um, because that pirate life tattoo situation, which hasn't been a subject yeah. of ABAC, um, and may or may not end up there, um, but it was just one of those examples where, I mean, I I, I personally, um, and and th- th- this is just me, um, think that that whole thing of you know breweries offering free tattoos to get the logo on is is a little bit. You know, tacky. Um, but then again, you know that's yeah. that, that's my own um, personal. Uh, pirate, pirate
2: life's in an interesting situation now, but because because they're now part of uh, AB Indev, they're now a, a signatory to the code, mm. and so they have to comply. So that's that's a really that's a really interesting one with pirate life.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder whether there'll be some staff training going on this week. Maybe. <laughs>
2: so- um, but um, my, my other you know issues with 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 ABAC is, you know, I've just read out a list of signatories that they've got on their website, and that's not the complete list. And, you know, as a quasi-regulatory, you know, body, surely there should be some transparency about who is funding this quasi-regulation. Um it's, it, I'll, it, I'll, that, I'll, I'll certainly I mean, look
0: into that. They and and it may not be on the website for a variety of reasons. I don't know that it's transparency is is one of those. Um, but I'll I'll, I'll actually uh, dig a little bit into that so we can maybe follow up next week um, on. Yeah on that because I know that they did recently send out a publication celebrating 20 years of ABAC, um, looking at it. But Zoe, we've also seen in, in that story, there was a finding about Ribena, which is a cheeky monkey beer that was a one-off Gabs beer, but there was a complaint that it could be confused with, um, you know, a, a drink for kids. Uh, I, uh, one of the active, um, Twitter, uh, Guys, uh, Dan Summers, Frozen Summers, um, I saw on his feed that he'd actually heard pe- you know, kids come in and get say, Dad, get that skittles beer re- you know which refers to a um, beer that was made between Clare Valley Brewing and Dayton, I believe, um, and had skittles on the on the cover. How hard is it for brewers? you know, on, on one hand, brewers have a sense of fun and you know taking pop culture and riffing on it. But on the other hand, when you are looking at things like Skittles and Cherry Ripe and Ribena, where is the line um, in in your view for for marketers?
1: It's tough because things like this are clever, and you do. There's a sense of pride when you come up with something really like a good pun or yeah, a clever label like that. We really played on something. So I I totally understand where these breweries are coming from, and you know, as fellow beer drinkers, we probably will look at that and go, "That's pretty cool." But at the end of the day, it is that appeal to minors which none of us want to be um, accused of Um, and you know they've absolutely come out and said you know it's got beer it's only available in like alcohol outlets all of that is kind of second to what it actually looks like. And actually
0: Um, just, just before just before we move on from that and that's one of the things that really came out in the Facebook comments about this and you know, straight away I, I replied to those people. And I don't always reply to to comments because I seem to get argumentative. But on this one, I sort of uh, weighed in um, because I, like, over the last couple of weekends, I've been going to a lot of uh, Brisbane's brew pubs. And the thing I love even more than the beer um, and, and small local breweries is the fact that these places are becoming what the pub once was, what the local beer garden once was. And they are so family friendly. And you see, you know, groups of young families going along with their kids playing games, you don't see any, um, you know that the, there's no kids playing on uh, um, iPads or anything like that because they're playing giant Jenga with their parents. They and all of these things that are incredibly healthy um, and really promoting the best aspects of beer. And if 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 mum and dad can have a beer while they're catching up with friends and playing with the kids, I can't think of anything. You know that to me is what beers. Greatest social advantage is its greatest social purpose is as is that sort of um, uh, you know social lubricant um, in the most positive way. And as soon as you start saying, well, kids aren't going to see X beer because it's in a bottle, it's only in licensed premises. You're in. I, I worry that you're actually inviting people to say kids should not be allowed in brew pubs. And again, it's it's sometimes. For the for the sake of that little bit of fun with the branding, I would much rather people look at the bigger issues that are at stake.
1: And so, so it's being sold in licensed venues to then be taken home. So there still is that opportunity for children to view it. Um, it, it is a fine line. Um, it's not always a black and white answer. Like it's not always easy when you've when you've come up with you know a really great pun or some really great branding, um, but. Yeah, at the end of the day, if it's um, not meeting the code, that's something like you should be aware of. And there's always a plan B. Like there's always a second name to come up with. And sometimes you just have to, you know, wear those losses. And that's just something you can't you can't do. Um, yeah, it's it's I, I I do appreciate where they're coming from, but at the end of the day, it's just that responsibility we have um, within our society as producers of an alcoholic product. Um, that's something we really should um, be protecting. And um, as Hendo said earlier, within the scope that we've got, where we still do have a lot of say and a lot of flexibility and we're not um, as regulated and restricted as what it could be.
0: And Hendo, you know, one of the things that, uh, when I was doing the story and I was just sort of around to get some thoughts, um, one of the things that a couple of brewers said is that if you are worried that you've crossed the line, you know, if you're worried that you're getting close to the line, you've probably already crossed it. Do you think that's a reasonable approach for brewers to take?
2: Uh, yeah, um, I think it's the, that's, that's the thing about it is is that you know if you if you're worried that you've crossed some sort of line, go and go and um, send send your label over to the the pre-vetting service.
0: It's not that expensive. I think it's 180 dollars for a half hour for per half hour, but I'm not sure how long it takes.
2: It's well, I've I've set something through pre vetting before, and I think it was uh, an hour. Right, so um, if that, I think it was either half an hour or an hour. Like it's a label, you know, and they can they you know these guys that you know to to be an adjudicator, they have to have a minimum of ten years experience as a marketer. So you know they they know that they know the code and they can look at it pretty quickly and give you some feedback pretty quickly and. And it's not that expensive, you know, all things considered, uh, if you if you're really worried about it. Um, but you know, as Zoe's saying, you know, most definitely, if you if you're investing in some high volume product where you're going to spend lots of money on lots of packaging, and to change that packaging would be very expensive, then definitely send it through for pre vetting That that's that's a that's a no-brainer.
0: I, I think we're going to be talking about uh, this a little bit more in the future. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Moving on, um, Bevy sees Swan return to Perth. Zoe, what are your thoughts about uh, Lion's strategy you know, sort of with, with these brew pubs that it's opening around the country?
1: Um, well, Lion's an interesting case where you know they've got a bit of a history of not doing it well and they've kind of come back with the squire brew houses around the country and it seems um you know obviously little creatures bought a whole heap of hospitality um experience into the business when they were acquired um so it's really interesting to see these much more um uh, like very specific very much much smaller um like brew pubs that they're investing in with the hospitality partners um Yeah, I think this is kind of, there's kind of, I guess, a bit of um, nostalgia with this one, given the connection to the old um, Swan. That was such an iconic beer for WA. Um, So, yeah, to kind of have a little bit of a link back to that um, is a bit nice, I think. Um, You know, obviously it's playing in a totally different um, world now, the the, the bevy Brewing, compared to the mainstream and the styles of the Swan beers. Um, you know they've got Andrew Skade heading it up, who's a very experienced brewer. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see yeah how it goes.
2: It's a long-standing strategy of Lion to uh, you know uh, grow their, their their base around hospitality venues. You know it's uh, Creatures, Squires, Umundi and now Bevy you know it's it's growing and and you know if it if it um if it brings more people into into craft beer then that's that's a good thing
0: it's interesting i've because they've got you Monday up here and uh your you monday's doing really really well with some uh you know really good people are uh, working it they're making some interesting beers but i've noticed that the the, uh, the the strategy in each of the line brew pubs seems to be a lager and a very approachable pale ale um and uh, it, it, you just wonder how many different breweries you need brewing two relatively similar beers and uh, whether it's a, it, it's a test bed um, to, to see if they can furfy another beer and have another just blo- breakout hit.
2: Maybe. I don't know. That's, that, it's, it's what they're good at. Um, so why
0: would you expect them to do anything different? Well, because <laughs> they closed down all of their small... <laughs> that, 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 that's the thing. On, on one hand, we sort of sit here going, oh, yeah, you know, of course, they're, they're going to do that. But we've seen all of these, all of the big brewers, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, close all of their small uh, breweries and move the production to the the bigger places. And I think they've mm. now started to realise that they need to be small and local. Um, and it was interesting, um, you know, when... I was speaking to Chuck Hahn not so long ago, probably about 18 months ago, about moves to remove the big guys from um, the, the CBIA as it then was. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he said how you know, he cited Umundi is a great example where they've got this great little uh, local brewery um, that the the, the the locals are loving, and you know, it's it's almost going to run out of um, you know capacity very 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 quickly, and they're going to have to move it to one of uh, one of their other brew houses. And I was, yep. and I almost had to say, Chuck, you know, that's the problem. You know, um, even though you start small and local, these guys have you know very big paths to um, ex- expansion. That sees the beer, you know, the, the the concept of it as being a genuinely local beer um, move out very very quickly because they they're not interested in having a you know hundred thousand liter. Uh, brewery operation um except Mm. as a front for a you know five million liter um brand
2: yeah but you know what you're gonna get though (laughs) out of line that's the thing it's like um uh you know they 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 are a major player and they play the volume game so even though they may talk local that's just not how they work i mean you know um uh take um i mean if there's this there's no hospitality attached to this whatsoever but you know take furphy for instance and that outgrew the the little creatures geelong facility so they had to move the production elsewhere
0: um that's just what lion do it's really not surprising absolutely i was staying in a lion's cage as a prof might say um london calling uh lion has purchased london's four pure um, this comes off the back of their little creatures brew pubs, and it's it's the first time we've seen an Australian multinational buy an overseas craft brewery, which is an interesting play.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with this. You know, I think we're very used now for it coming the other way. It's you know what this happens for, um, you know, the lion brands, the Australian line brands going um, into the UK. Um, yeah, we've covered before about the little creatures expansion or planned expansion into London. Um yeah, it'd be really yeah, interesting to see what Fuel Four Pure then allows um yeah, to happen. Um yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens here.
2: Oh, the first thing I had to check is to whether whether the four pure was part of the experience at portfolio. because yes, they've been yes. an interesting run lately. <laughs> um, but um, no, that wasn't the case here. Look, I think it's a really interesting play by uh, Lion to uh, grow into the UK market. Um, you know, the, the, the what little I know about the UK beer market is very vertically integrated, so. Um, maybe this comes back to the hospitality uh, side of things as well. Maybe they they might make a play uh, in hospitality venues wrapped around the Four Pure brand or something like that. It's surprising, but I, I think I, I think it sort of fits in with their. Their, their global
0: strategy. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it will be interesting to see. I was just very surprised that they'd gone uh, to the UK. They're about to open a Little Creatures brew pub there and in San Francisco. Yep. So, they are really looking globally and uh, they when i spoke to i spoke to matt tapper and they had no immediate plans to bring uh four pure down but i suspect that they certainly will be at some stage um yeah so but uh the the thing that i'm uh, really looking uh towards now is uh brooklyn um kieran which owns line, has a what 24 point 25% five 24 24 uh, yeah. percent or 24.5% stake in Brooklyn. Um, and Brooklyn is currently being distributed uh, and uh, the lager is being brewed over here by Coopers. Um, and I think there's another 18 months on that deal. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, Brooklyn comes uh, goes into the line portfolio um, once that deal ends.
2: Yep, that's a question from me here. <laughs> uh, you know, he's uh, he loves his brand. I, I, I love Brooklyn Brewery as well. I think the beers are excellent. And, um, uh, you know, he, uh, he he's right across everything industry-wise. I, I love reading what he puts on social media, um, you know, about what's happening globally in the industry. Um, but what Brooklyn do, what they'll do, you know, in conjunction has been part of the Lion portfolio when the Coopers agreement ends. It's hard to say, you know. Uh, you know, do they have the ability to make Brooklyn elsewhere within the Lion manufacturing footprint? Maybe, you know, nothing. Nothing would happen with the manufacturer of the Brooklyn product with without Garrett Oliver's tick, basically. So, it's uh, it's interesting. That's well, it's a that's a wait and see.
0: Absolutely, but you know, Miro is one of those guys who just loves beer, and he's he's not an apologist for for big beer. He's just has love for beer in all its forms, So it would be interesting to see what happened. But uh, yeah, just another one to to see. But it certainly makes, you know, looking at uh, tap handles very interesting. Um, mm. You know, we're with the CUB portfolio being very strong um, with some international brands, and you can go in and see the Carlton Draft, you can see uh, Goose Island, then you see, yep. uh, um, or you, you don't see Matilda Bay anymore, but you do see uh, Yak Ales, Um and then a couple of the, the, the mainstream brands. And with, with Lion, you go in and you can see uh, Little Creatures, Panhead, White Rabbit, um, uh, Furfy, uh, 4X Gold. Um, and it looks like you've, you've got a great selection when, uh, it, to, to my way of thinking, they're really looking at shoring up some of those old you know, heavy contract you know approaches to to publicans, whilst still giving them beers that they can offer, um, and offer the appearance of you know a, a great selection of in, uh, not well not independent, but a great selection of Diversity. different breweries. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, 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 The 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 illusion of choice, I suppose, for many consumers out there. That you know, if if they were to see you know uh, Furphy and Four Pure and Little Creatures and James Squire, or, you know, Forex Gold on on tap well, that would be enough for them. Um, and uh, uh, and that's just the way it is. But I think that that's where it comes back to, you know, if we're going to talk about independence, I think that's where it comes back to um, independent brewers um, sending a strong message of the benefits of independent beer, um, as opposed to the illusion of choice.
0: And to me, that's uh, where it's going to be very interesting. You know, I, I think that uh, if we do start seeing the independence logo rolling out at pubs um that's when it's going to become very interesting as to whether consumers do make the decision for independence um you know when, when it's actually in their face that these beers are different by nature of independence whereas most beer you know rows of beer taps don't really make that challenge to, to, most, to the casual consumer. Um, so yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see what, what what comes. But moving on to our last story, um, let me see. We've got beer label design. And uh, Zoe, um, apparently AR or augmented reality is about to become a thing. You uh, were checking it out at the recent BrewCon.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, Multicolor Label Solutions had a stand at the Trade Expert Um, Brewcom Um, and it was pretty cool I have to admit it was pretty cool Um, they had beer bottles they had two different labels you held your phone up to it and the label that was viewed through your phone then changed into I think one example was a I think it was like a rule of um, images, like social media images, um, related to that beer, and then um, the other I think might have taken you to a website or something like that. Um, so it, it was it was very cool, um, certainly enough to get my interest. Um, but as um, like the article um, covered, it is something I think that should be. Um, understood what its purpose is before going all gung-ho and investing in it Um, it's not it obviously won't be a cheap exercise to swap your labels over to this and um, you certainly want to make sure that the consumers picking up those bottles are going to be using it Um, so you know you wouldn't want them just sitting on the shelves at Dan Murphy's you want it to be somewhere where people are actively Um, encouraged to use the technology. Um, So, you know, if you've invested heavily into a sponsorship partner or a partnership or an event, um, you know, this would be a great opportunity to have a really engaging and interactive conversation essentially with those consumers that taken way past the information that you're limited to on a beer label you know it can be very visual it can be really engaging um it just has to be done right otherwise i think it'd be quite tacky and just using ar for the sake of using ar
0: and it's it, it's one of those things that can very quickly become a five minute wonder where you do it you do it once and then you know it it, it almost becomes a small version of the big ad where people go how cool is that but it doesn't move a single unit of beer
1: yeah, exactly. So you've really got to be understanding its purpose, and if if there even is one, um, it, yeah, it was cool. But yeah, you know, like Pokemon Go, that was everywhere and overtook the world for two weeks, and then it kind of <laughs> dropped off, and it's you know, nowhere to be seen now. We're like it's a, it will be a big investment, but it was yeah, it was really cool to see in the real, and it would be, you know, as these um, you know, VR and AR are just growing, and in other industries, not just as. Um, yeah, it would be really interesting just to see how much of a mainstay these new technologies start creeping into our everyday lives and not just beer labels, but just in other, other areas too, therefore making it that more logical thing down the track for um, other industries to take on.
0: And just for those who are listening at home, uh, the AR, you download an app to your phone and then there are targets that can be set up on a bottle or a package or just about anywhere that when you hold the phone over, um, it comes to life. Um, and you can, I, I think one of the things was that the bottle spun around in, in, in the demo, but you can have all sorts of things like you can hold it over. You know, For example, the Brewers Association or the, the IBA could have the... IBA independence logo on a can as a target and when you hold it over um, you can get a brewer talking about why independence matters um, coming up as a video on the screen so there's all sorts of different things that can be used but uh, one of the experts that uh, our writer Megan spoke to um, you know made the same point that you did Zoe that it you know It can either be a gimmick or it can be something that really embeds a campaign and you need to have a little bit of strategy around it.
2: I was thinking there, it's like, um, I'm actually looking at a a picture of the the, the AR thing and it's like, I was thinking, wow, does this have any use? Actually, you just probably just hit the nail on the head there with the independence thing. Not to actually zoom in on the... Independence logo, but actually, you know, something I thought I think would be really cool is to have an app on your phone that says, you know, called "Is My Beer Independent?" and you just show up pictures of beers and it'll tell you if it's independent or not. And sort of part part of the, you know, sort of yes, you can have the independence logo on the side of your label, but if you could have a, a database of, uh, you know, um, beers, beer labels that that trigger uh, the app to go, yes, this is independent, and here's it's what's important about being independent.
0: That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it, I mean, I guess it's it's it can become a very valid communication tool. Um, one of the the other things that uh, the um, designer that we spoke to said was that if if it gets too hard for consumers, they're just not going to use it. You know, for example, if you need to, um, it, it's when the technology just gets natively um, embedded in iPhones or you know the the various phones, for example. So when you hold your camera. It detects what the AR target is, so you don't actually have to sit there and go, "Oh, there's a target on this." If I download this app, um, yeah, and then you then you can do it just to do it because that creates you know that extra layer of burden for the consumer. Um, that if the juice isn't worth the squeeze, you're just not going to do it. But anyway, it, it, it's some interesting new stuff, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how some smart designers uh, start implementing it. Zoe, are you looking uh, at you know maybe building some campaigns for any of your clients?
1: Uh, I'll wait and see where the technology goes first. I'm I'm with you on the. Um, it just has to be easy, um, and that's like QR codes have always been a little bit like that for me. Like everyone got excited about QR codes, but you're still asking the consumer to. I think, take on a bit too much by, you know, going down, downloading the app and then being ready when a QR code's available. Once the technology comes with the phones, which I've got no doubt, knowing Apple will probably just be in the next update, um, your camera will just read it and you'll be ready to go. Um, I know there's a, a company here in Melbourne that's doing the same thing with tap decals. And that you can you scan your tap deck or, um scan your phone over a tap deck or and it will give you more information about the beer. Or it wasn't as um, in- interactive and as like visually um, engaging as the examples I saw at BrewCon. But it's still, yeah, that could be a really interesting thing going forward. If yeah, when that becomes the norm, that you've got this extra information piece, um, and depending on how you know, brands use it. You could, you could just be really black and white and here's a you know, link to the website or here's some tasting notes or you can be really engaging and bring you know the, the head brewer to the front and like really have this you know a, a virtual conversation almost um you know by nature we're very visual um creatures and things that really bring people into your world simply by purchasing your beer in a bottle shop or a, over a bar um, you can actually have the opportunity to bringing them into your brewery, whether that be you know 2,000 um, kilometres away. Like it's it's there's some pretty cool stuff that could happen. Mm. So yeah, I'm definitely keen to watch this space and see how streamlined and how much easier it
0: becomes for the consumer. Cool. Well, uh, we won't. We, we've been going for uh, quite a while now. So and I know that you guys it's, we're recording this on Saturday. So thank you for joining me. We'll just do the quick letter of the week before we go it's been great our good friends at beer cartel sponsor the letter of the week we've been seeing a lot of people enjoying posting uh, their uh, six packs for beer cartel on social media so if you want to be in the running just send us an email um and let us know you know what you'd like to talk about what you think or uh, about any of the topics that we've discussed today or what you would like to see us discuss in the future and uh, this week's letter of the week is from russell Paulin, and he said and hendo you like this one Hey, just a quick uh, email to say how much I like your podcast. I listen to a few podcasts, so I'm a bit behind um, and have just listened to the Beer as a Conversation with Belgian Co's. As a home brewer and craft beer lover, I find it really interesting with a good mix of information and interviews. A couple of highlights would be I tried a Furfy when it was first released, and I didn't think much of it, and so hadn't tried it again. However, the more I listened to your podcast, the more I thought, sheesh, these guys keep banging on about it. So I gave it another go and was pleasantly surprised. So now just putting it down to the first one I tried, not being in optimal conditions before I got it, we might have to hit Furfy up for some advertising dollars, I think, uh, because it's certainly... Uh, Anyway, but uh, the second one was... Interview with, uh, now he's got here Ben Crowls from Brownstone, but I think he uh, is conflating the two. It was uh, your good friend Chris uh, Domagala from Brownstone. I have never been there before, despite it being three doors down from where my boys live with their mum. Anyway, immediately after listening to the interview, I made a beeline to the brewery after work, and wow, there's a reason that the Pale Ale won an award. It's simply sensational. I'll be spending much more time there in the future. The other beers were good too. Now, only if I could get a job there. So Hendo, you may have a future uh, trainee when Chris goes on to open his own venue.
2: <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly something that's going to Come up in the future when when Chris
0: goes and and, and opens his own venue. So, um, yeah, watch his space. But congratulations on that. And he says, and finally, I don't mind saying uh, I was also a person who felt very squeamish listening to the interview with the guy from Stone Brewing. Man, that was an awkward interview. And, yes, Russell, I could not agree with you more. (laughs) Um, anyway, appreciate the work you put into the podcast. Thanks, Russell. And, uh, Russell, you will be getting a uh, six-pack of great Australian craft beer from our friends at Beer Cartel. Awesome. So uh, that was a great letter. Now, uh, Zoe, thank you very much. Actually, I just uh, have finished this morning uh, while I was getting the notes together. I was listening to the Ale of a Time podcast where you gave some uh, feedback. So you, you, you're doing all of the podcasts.
1: Yeah, that, that was... Um... <laughs> From Good Beer Week, uh, we did a branding and design session as part of the Trade Hub. Um, so, yeah, thank you again to everyone that came along and attended that and, yeah, it's available now um, on the hour of time um, session. Um, again, the opportunity for me to talk about marketing and branding um, to, these, to people that are willing to listen to me ramble on, I do appreciate. Um, it's something that I do love. Um, to talk about and yeah talk to people with. Um, and yeah, that was a really great session. so I'm glad it's available for others that weren't able to make the bit.
0: That's right. I'm still That's going to lay claim to discovering you. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, that's just not true you're uh but no it was it was, it was great to hear when there was no rambling at all Hendo, one of the things that we probably could have talked about but we've run out of time uh, but you can give it a quick plug to is rockstar brewer academy which you've launched recently
2: yeah yeah that's right so uh the rockstar brewer Academy's uh, been running since may uh we've had one intake of about 10 breweries uh come on board they've gone through i've been very limited in in the number of breweries that I uh, sign up and I'm about to launch next week the second intake uh, and so the, the the foundation members have gone through the first course uh, many of them have had the Rockstar Brewer app uh, uh, rolled out to them this week so they Uh, have the ability to track beer quality uh, in an app that runs on an iPhone or an Android or on your PC and that sort of thing. Um, And so now that we've gotten this far, uh, I'm going to open up for a very limited second intake just to refine the content that we've got so far. So uh, if you would like to hear more about that, head over to rockstarbrewer.com. And there's an orange button pretty much that appears straight away. Uh, on the website, uh, sign up to the mail list and I will contact you this week.
0: Terrific. Well, guys, uh, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Brews News Week and uh, look forward to getting you both back on the show very, very soon. Perfect.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having us.
0: No troubles. And listeners, uh, yes, send us an email. Uh, if you enjoy what we do here at Bruise News, you can become a sponsor of the show and just help uh, defray the cost of editing uh, down, although – with the quality of our guests, there's not much editing to do. Um, but you can also give us a shout-out or a review on iTunes, help other people find the podcast. But uh, thank you for joining us again this week, and we will talk to you again next week. Uh, and don't forget, beers of Conversation is coming up uh, this week, and this week we're talking to Michael Capaldo. Uh, who is a great brewer formerly of uh, Sydney Brewery and now uh, uh, selling hops for HPA. So um, stay tuned for that dropping uh, on Tuesday night um, for your Wednesday morning commute. Guys, thanks very much. Have a great week.
2: Thanks, Pat.